Hello and welcome to Knowing Nature, the podcast all about exploring and engaging with the natural world. I'm your host, Victor, and welcome to another Film Club episode. In this episode, we'll be talking about the 2016 movie, The Lost City of Zed, which was directed by James Gray, and it's based on a 2009 book called also The Lost City of Zed by David Gran. A roughly biographical story of the British explorer Percy Fawcett, and he is a British explorer. So initially he went to the Amazon on behalf of the Royal Geographical Society uh, on a mission to map out a particular river, which was under dispute. But on that first expedition, he discovered what he thought was evidence of an ancient civilization that was now vanished from within the Amazon. And uh, Percy Fawcett proceeded to go on a number of other expeditions into the Amazon trying to prove the existence of this lost advanced civilization, looking for a megacity that he thought must exist within the Amazon, which he called Zed. Joining me in this episode are Maggie and Katia. Welcome back to the show, Maggie and Katia. Hello, thank you for having me again. Good to be back with uh... And Tom, welcome to the show, Tom. Hi there, nice to be on. Um, looking forward to it. So Tom, this is your first time on the show. Would you be able to introduce yourself to us? Uh, yeah, absolutely. So uh, uh, my name is Tom. Uh, I'm a science educator, a bit like Victor is. And um, I've been in sort of informal science education for getting on for five years now. So I've been doing it for a little while. Uh, my uh, educational background is in archaeology and human osteology. So I look at skeletons of people that died thousands of years ago, usually. Right. And Maggie, you, you're an environmental educator. You currently work in a museum and you've got a background in cultural anthropology. Is that right? Uh, that's correct. That was my BA was in cultural anthropology or uh, social anthropology, as we like to call it in some parts of Europe. And Katia, you now work for an environmental education charity, um, and you've been in the sector for a number of years, but before that, you um, did a degree in philosophy, is that right? Yes, correct. I, I have a master's degree in philosophy, political philosophy specifically. So that's why I thought that you folks would have some interesting perspectives on this film, um, because we're all kind of now in this field of environmental education, but we are coming from it rather than from a biology ecology perspective um, our backgrounds i think are more in teaching and social science first off did you like the film yeah i i did quite enjoy the film as I, i'm sure i said to you the other day victor i thought it ended maybe four times throughout the film i don't mean the film was particularly long or too long in any way just that i thought there was a natural stopping point four times and i didn't know anything about the story beforehand so I think the first time we came back from the jungle, I was like, ah, it's done. Uh, that was a very short film. And then the second time we came back, I was like, that's it, it's wrapping up. And then he went off on the train just before that last expedition. And I was like, that's it, end of the film. And there was another like 10 minutes on the end. So it was, um, I, I was a bit surprised by the sort of story beats in it and the pacing, but uh, I did quite enjoy it, yeah. Uh, Maggie, what did you think? I really liked it. But uh, one thing has to be said, it's no Indiana Jones. Uh, it has a similar theme in a sense that it is about ad adventure and exploration uh, and covering new grounds and new cultures uh, and it's sort of set in a similar, well it's earlier but than in the Indiana Jones films are set 
but the, the subjects, the topics are similar, yet the film is completely different. It's, it's much slower, it's a bit more in depth. Um, whilst in a, in a sort of typical adventure film, you would have um, sort of a couple of uh, fights uh, and, uh, and a love interest in the first 10 minutes. That just doesn't happen in this film. You have to be patient with it. But if you stick with it, you, it's very enjoyable, I think. And Katya? So as soon as you asked me to to uh, to do the podcast, I I thought I didn't watch the movie, but actually, as soon as I started, I realized I watched it a few years ago, probably uh, soon when it was out. And then I remembered everything and I watched it again. And I remember that the first time I was, should we, spo- do we spoil the movie? <laughs> I was very disappointed at the end. Or in a way disappointed because I really wanted to know what was the truth and what really happened to him. And the second time I watched it, I watched it again two days ago, I was again disappointed and even more curious. And in fact, I went reading all a lot of articles about him and the real life. And I watched another documentary produced in Russia. Um, I appreciate it. It has a good touch on his attitude towards indigenous communities, which I think is probably an opening question around, you know, colonialism and and British attitude towards um, discovering new territories and so on. So that opens good reflection. Um, But yeah, I really liked it, but I was disappointed at the end. And I'm still disappointed because we really don't know what happened to him in reality. (laughs) It's really fascinating. What did you, what were your thoughts on how the Amazon rainforest itself is depicted within the movie? I've actually been in Amazon rainforest on on two different occasions. uh, uh, And I felt that it was portrayed, at least from an uh, environmental aspect, very much on the surface. Uh, You you didn't really see that much of the forest, the the biodiversity, the richness, even the sense of how it is to be there with the humid climate, I felt like it was kind of scratched on. It was much more about him and then his relationship to the local, well, the local people and his team rather than the environment they were in. Yeah, I definitely can see that. It's, the Amazon is in, in a lot of ways, it's a backdrop to the film, but, but at the same time, it has this feature that where nature is a barrier to some kind of human goal. It's something that I talked about in Moana, um, in the film club episode on that, where nature is often depicted as a barrier to getting to somewhere else, you know? And that's what the Amazon is for a, a lot of this film. It is this backdrop, but it's also a, a challenge to be beaten. But I think you're right. It doesn't, it doesn't give you a sense of magic of the rainforest kind of thing, like in, in a lot of other... Uh, films where nature is is really central. I quite like the way you describe it. You're right, it is a backdrop. It's basically in the way of somewhere else they want to get as an expedition. They want to get somewhere particular and this this thing is in the way of them. And it's very telling when there is a scene where the indigenous people that travels with them says, I feel sorry for you. I am free here. Whereas for you, there is no escape from this jungle so it's kind of a very different way the the white man sees the jungle and the indigenous people sees the jungle and i think that 
that kind of it's it feels like it's very much shot from a white perspective there is that sort of juxtaposition between how the european sees the amazon and as you said victor as it's like a an obstacle to overcome or a means to an end um whereas the indigenous people less use the amazon and more work in conjunction with it and work with nature to to give back and to get what they need out of it as well i also agree with the fact that it didn't really seem like a real jungle or rainforest at any real point to me it was very saturated in terms of the the color palette it was very sort of yellow in a lot of ways um which i found kind of strange uh, a little bit uh, it didn't seem natural uh, in any sense and yeah i think uh, a lot of it looked like a soundstage sort of bits when they're doing the initial bit with the tripod and they're taking the pictures and he's got the, his little stick and i can't remember the technical terms for all that he's taking jeep like coordinates or, or whatever he's doing um and it's just like they're in a little clearing and it looks like oh there's a few trees dotted here and there and oh there's a snake and it's like okay there's a few novel aspects but it doesn't seem like a a real place um whereas obviously when you see it in documentaries and stuff it's this majestic incredible thing um so yeah i think it falls down a bit the film in that depiction of the amazon but as you said i think it's more about the relationship with that and the, the people themselves as opposed to this backdrop of a place it's interesting you mentioned the color because that's something i picked up on as well that through most of the most of the film has this very yellowish kind of tinge um, up until the last portion of the film, the, his last trip into the Amazon when he arrives there with his son. At that bit, the yellowish tinge is kind of gone. And for the way I interpreted it was like the scenes where he's in England, like there's like color there. But in the Amazon, you've got this, it's green, it's yellow, and that's kind of, that's kind of it. So it's almost like that is not, initially, that's not his life. But as his, his quest, his like personal desire to find Zed and his obsession with the Amazon grows. It's kind of like the Amazon takes on more life. And then you also get this juxtaposition between the European landscape, the British landscapes that you're seeing, like you see uh, this pastoral agricultural landscape um, in the middle of the film, just before he goes off to war, you see this like English garden kind of landscape. So you have the tamed nature it's this garden of eden kind of image where it's sort of nature has already been bent to to the will of people um and then you get this wild untamed amazon i think you can see something of the way that he sees these two landscapes changes through the film yeah yeah that's interesting i haven't thought about um the contrast between the two landscapes, but yeah, I can see that and you're describing now. I'm, I, was, um, I was thinking while you were talking of um, the forest was, was, was really the instrument, the tool to, to channel that very strong sense of urge, almost desperate need of the European man to discover, to explore, to, to go beyond the limits, which is what I think the movie tries to describe in contrast with, with the indigenous communities who are just there in harmony with their own world. Instead, we are explorers. We always explore, we always conquered. I remember having a similar conversation in one of my travels in India some years ago where I was talking to a researcher 
and um, he, he was very interested in our lives and he started talking about how Europeans went around the world and conquered the world and he was talking to us, I was just, you know, 23 and was like, but you know, you've always been travelers, you've always wanted to go beyond and discover and, and find what else is there. We Asians, we are, we are not that. We, we haven't been so um, ambitious in, in going always beyond. And I think the movie describes a little bit his character, which obviously then will develop into colonialism, imperialism, and so on. And it, it, I really felt that urgency of, I, I can't have my own life. I need, to, I need to find a city, whatever costs me, whatever, I don't care. Uh, I, whatever is on my way, my, my aim is that one. I need to go beyond, you know, the odyssey, the, the, the idiomatic experience of, you know, going beyond your limits to, to know what's there. And you, you, just, you just want to know more than you can. If we think a bit more about like, how, how do people in the movie, um, the different people relate to the Amazon itself? I think we're, our discussion is now moving in, in that kind of direction. The initial expedition that Fawcett goes on is there. He's mapping out a river so that the land can be like apportioned to the colonial powers for rubber plantations. Because um, at this point, the Amazon was the source of basically all of the world's rubber plantations. Um, but the situation is changing at this point. It's, this film is set sometime after 1906. And in 1876, the British actually finally managed to smuggle rubber tree seeds out of the Amazon. Um, and they were starting to establish, because of course the British didn't have Brazil as a, as a colony. It had other areas, but you know, rubber was this incredibly valuable material because you know we're here we're at sort of the the very beginnings of the industrial revolution so rubber is this important material for steam engines to build like gaskets and things so it's it's interesting how central economic value is um right at the start of that his perspective on it is like he's there to do a particular job and it's because of the accolades that he wants from it because percy fawcett is depicted here as He's really after personal glory in some ways, or like to restore his family name. His father, I think, was dishonorably discharged from the military. Britain at that time being very heavily class-focused, that his name was besmirched and that was closing a lot of doors for him. Uh, any other thoughts on like how the characters relate to the Amazon? Yeah, I think it's, it is very much different in terms of how they go about the Amazon. In, there's a particular bit where they're trying to catch fish it's the first time they're on the river um and they refers to it as a green desert and of course it's this lush jungle with like great biodiversity and all sorts of stuff in there but they can't catch fish um and they, they're running out of food and they're having trouble um and then they get to they meet these indigenous tribes who have come up with a way uh, just in and of themselves to catch the fish and the the part where Robert Pattinson, I think, plays Henry, is it Henry Costin? Uh, I think his name is. Um, and he's like, oh, it's remarkable. It's like they, they only kill what they need to, or they only take what they need to take. Um, and I think that's, that shows that contrast between the Europeans who are very take, 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 and they, 
they sort of exploit nature and they exploit the indigenous people. They exploit everything that they possibly can for personal gain. Whereas the indigenous people uh, in that scene in particular are shown to sort of just, just take what they need, just take what they need to survive and not, not go further than that. Um, I think that really points to the different sensibilities in each, uh, each group and how they relate to, to the jungle, the, the rainforest itself. I, I absolutely agree with you. I, I like the reference to the sort of green desert where there is nothing there. Um, there is kind of very long, long scene where they travel down the river and they're literally starving. They don't know how to find food in this place. They don't know what to eat and they are starving. They are about to die. And yet they have um, an indigenous um, enslaved person with them who travels with them along this river. And then not once do they think of actually asking them him how to catch something because this, this person has all the skills they need to eat and yet they are too arrogant to even think of asking him for help or asking him the, about his skills in that place which i found is uh, quite telling just for for the european mind at the time in a way the movie tries to say that Fawcett actually is is the only one who is trying to give a different message he goes back and he says look these people are intelligent. We, we, we should actually maybe try to learn from them. Um, I wonder if this was really the truth in his real expeditions, because as I said, I, find, I found the movie quite romanticized. I don't think, I'm not sure in reality this is actually what happened and this was his personality because it would be very unusual for, for the time. But it seemed like they tried to transmit this idea that he was really open to them. And, and in fact, he actually understood, you know, there isn't um, any, any hierarchy between us and them. And there is so much knowledge that they have. And I think it, it was in that time that anthropologists started to become that tool to try to to actually shift a little bit this attitude, especially in in, um, in colonizers trying to educate uh, local uh, communities and and sort of coming top down and judging them as not intelligent enough because their educational uh, models were not working and an anthropology really try to so maybe we should shift the perspective on how how we are approaching to that and i i found that really interesting because um to me we, obviously i have a certain perspective on these things uh and i know uh, what indigenous communities are going through and everything and and seeing that the movie tried to to give the critical eye uh, brought by Fawcett towards um, local communities, which goes completely against the status quo and the mainstream of public opinion at the time. Uh, I think that was a good element, even though, again, very romanticized. It's another thing that's highlighted in, in the structure of the film, like in subsequent journeys, his view of it and the people living within it shifts. In the, um, the first settlement he comes to, the first Portuguese settlement, you know, they're, they're basically slaves. And he, he, at that point, slavery, I believe, is abolished in, in Britain. So he's against the concept of slavery, but he kind of accepts the, the position of those peoples as lesser. And it's at the end of that where he believes or he has come across evidence of 
an advanced civilization, you know, on par with at least ancient Egypt or the Greeks or something like that. So he, he kind of develops a respect at which on the next journey where he goes with um, the other explorer that goes with him, you can see the, the difference in their mindsets and the way that they relate to it. You know, he, Fawcett at that point in that next second journey, he's now a seasoned explorer of the Amazon, but also he's developed a bit more of a relationship with the people. Like he's got this respect for them um, that the, the newcomer on the expedition clearly doesn't have. He has that old school British colonial view. These are savages. What can we possibly learn from them? And then by, by the end of the film, he's kind of confident in approaching them. Um, so you can see that he's, he's kind of got that respect for it. But um, as you were saying, Katya, I'm always curious, like, how much of this is romanticization? And apparently, so I, I did a bit of reading up on Fawcett, but he did have these views that indigenous peoples, they're, they're not like primitive savages. They, at some point in the past, they had an advanced civilization was his belief. Um, however, he still couldn't quite get over that Euro, Eurocentrism. So his belief was that surely what must have happened is European white people must have come here and taught these people all of this stuff, taught them all of this civilization. So that was his kind of way of rationalizing oh. it. Couldn't so he just couldn't accept it as a, a own-grown, homegrown civilization that grew out of itself. It had to be somehow uh, due to involvement from the superior Westerners. Yeah, yeah, from Europeans. Some centuries before, you know, some European braved the Atlantic, made it over there and like civilized these people was, was apparently his view um, in, in some of, of the real Percy Fawcett's writings. So it is, it is romanticized a little bit, but he it, it, it was still progressive for his time, shall we say. Yes, I mean, there is one scene where he attends a dinner party and he tells them about his theories about, uh, about Amazon being a place to a larger civilization at one point parts in history and there are parts of the elite that are actively trying to stop him from going on this expedition in the first place because they don't want to start the mere idea of an advanced indigenous or um, black brown uh, people's civilization. So interestingly I think what we can come to this now I again did some a bit of reading up, but in, in the last few years, actually, the remains of a city has been found. So he was mapping out the, the Zingu River, and they did find the remains of, of what would have been a quite a large city in that region. So the indigenous groups that he was speaking to, the communities that he was stopping off at, and they were telling him, you know, about this city. Um, th this was not just a fantasy that he he cooked up, so they found it, and it's called um, uh, Kuhikugu. Um, yeah, so that's that's quite interesting. All of the things where the um, the Royal Society, the Royal Geographical Society, you know, they didn't want to believe him that this city and civilization existed. It's interesting that how how wrong they all were. <laughs> Within the film, they call out there was an American explorer that found Machu Picchu. Um, discover that so that happens like over the course so it was you know over the course of the events of this film it was becoming very clear that there was a, a civilization throughout the americas 
know, had big cities. There were thousands and thousands of people living all across the continent in cities and not just in, you know, small little villages. Um, so let's move on to, I guess, talking about um, how people were relating to the communities that live within the Amazons. We already touched on it a little bit, how um, Fawcett's relationship with the peoples changed through the course of the film. Um, do you guys have any other thoughts on that? Yeah, I think um, I think what you guys are saying about uh, his opinion of the indigenous populations there and how it does change, I think it grows throughout the film, as you said, because even that first time he comes back, I mean, the first time he goes, he, he, as you said, he doesn't want to talk to the, the person who's guiding him essentially down the river. He doesn't ask him for any assistance, even though he has all those skills. Um, and like, they're actively quite mean. And he refers to them as, as savages at one point. But um, when he gets back from that first expedition and he's talking about how, oh yeah, they're, they're asking if they could be equals to like the white man. Um, and he's like, well, I don't know. Uh, so he's, he's not quite there at that point. He's still like sort of basing that on material culture. He's like, if they can do pottery and buildings, then they might be our equals. Not the fact that as their people, they're our equals. He's still basing that on sort of material wealth and what they can build. And what you said about his actual real life views of that oh, white people, Europeans must have come along and helped them to get to these points is uh, a problem that even persists today. I'm sure you've seen like uh, the history channels, like ancient alien stuff. They're talking about pyramids and various things and how like, oh yeah, people back then definitely could not have built this. They didn't have the ability to build these things. Aliens must have done it. Like it's that same idea of being like, okay, other cultures couldn't possibly be as advanced as European. So someone else, someone more advanced must have come along and done it. Um, and places like Great Zimbabwe, um, this great city in Zimbabwe, for which Zimbabwe is now named after, uh, after it sort of seceded from Britain, um, that people used to be like, oh no, Alexander the Great must have come along and sort of helped build Great Zimbabwe and things like that. So that's still an issue that I think is pervasive in culture today. In, but the thing I've found most interesting is that second voyage when they go and he sort of does the music and he has the Bible and he chats to them and he learns their language to some degree by the looks of the film. It was, I was a bit unclear as to whether they knew a bit of Spanish. And they were speaking Portuguese. Yeah, so yeah. it must have been met before by Spaniards uh, or Portuguese individuals. Yeah, because it was a Portuguese colony, right? So it's, yeah. it's interesting that the relationship through the entire film it, it's already colonized. So these, it's not like he's going out and meeting like uncontacted people. And these are all colonized peoples. And, you know, they've, they've all been, he can communicate with everyone in Portuguese, right? Or in some cases, English. So it's, you're, you're not seeing, I don't know, there's, there's this tendency to want to read into these populations that some kind of like untouched, the noble savage kind of myth, right? These are these people that, you know, if they were left to their own devices, they'd be at one with nature kind of thing. And as you said, in that second voyage where he has this, he meets that tribe and he speaks with them. He, he has this moment of like, look at how they're cultivated. They've managed to cultivate the jungle. 
And he has this moment of like, actually, these are like quite advanced peoples. But also there's um, a lot of research coming out now suggesting that the entire ecosystem of the Amazon really has been shaped by human action, human populations, um, in terms of like distribution of plants and things like that. So even if pre-colonial, pre-contact with the West, just, you know, the, the civilizations there, they, it's not like they were leave only footprints, take only photos, that kind of thing. Like that's not quite what the, these people were doing. They weren't just like walking through, taking one or two things from the jungle and then leaving it as like pristine wilderness. They were shaping it actively. Yeah, a lot of the research, um, they found uh, like charcoal and like sediment of uh, like lake beds and stuff way back into like prehistoric uh, times. And they just burn in vast areas and using that to, um, to then cultivate different crops. And they, they do have this advanced sort of cycle of uh, crop management and cultivation. But yeah, you're right, they're, they're altering the environment, it's landscape alteration. There's like raised fields for like irrigation and things like that, even sort of pre-Columbian. Um, so you're right. It's not just they're not just coming in and being like taking a fish here and there. Like um, although they they are sort of less destructive than maybe we would be and have been. I just wanted to add something about um, his transition from not asking for help to communicating, trying to understand the indigenous people. There was one particular scene when they enter a village where cannibalism is present. Um, and cannibalism is one of those things that it tends to be a taboo in most societies and communities. Not all, however, but in many it is a big taboo. Um, and obviously Europeans were, were usually very shocked by this uh, behaviour. But when he enters the village, he tries to understand it. He, he doesn't just frown upon it or throws it away as savage he tries to understand why those people are doing it. And it kind of turns out that he, they eat their ancestors uh, for their spirits and to their bodies, uh, which suddenly becomes a, a much more understandable idea why anyone would do that. Uh, and he becomes sort of friends with them and they stay there for X amount of days. And that, that is, I think, sort of a big step he's taken throughout his journey. That is a, a point that I had that I thought was like a really important and powerful part of that film is that moment where there is the cannibalism and that, as you said, that old fashioned explorer who's been to the Arctic or whatever, he's like, he's like, <gasps> cannibalism. Um, and he talks to them and like you say, it explains it. And that very, that's very much part of colonialism is people like Europeans and colonialists using cannibalism almost as propaganda to help like justify and help to subjugate like uh, indigenous populations. And I know some recent research is saying that there's not actually as much cannibalism as was made out. In fact, it's relatively rare uh, or for ritual purposes, um, as opposed to, you know, happening all the time, just eating every, everybody they see as it's often depicted. Um, so that, that's a really interesting point that, yeah, he's, he's sort of moved away from this, propaganda of like the state and of colonialism and he's sort of forming his own ideas based on his experiences which I think is an important important point of that as well. Just sorry just to add to this um, as um, as you were saying I, I, I've seen this whole movie 
wanting to to give that critical message in a way that we should reflect on our past uh, and and notice that there were people who um, were different who didn't align so much with with the mainstream culture even then and even though the movie kind of describes it as a hero in a way again quite romanticized but like has thought wow this this guy is enlightened he is understood at all he could be one of us really he could be a, a modern anthropologist for, for the way how he's approaching these things he, he's the guy who says look uh, they they're cultivated the jungle they are using this ritual in this way he's actually it's even fun funny that see because at some point they asked they asked them if they want to eat now comida and he says yes uh see si, gracias and the other ones look at him because they know they might be eating human <laughs> flesh right <laughs> so it was even to an ironic extent i wanted to ask you what what do you think of the aim of the movie has the movie been made to invite us to reflect on the different perspectives that we can have towards the past towards uh colonialism and as a not only as a british part of history but as a european um chapter that never ended the movie um linked so much uh, for me with other documentaries I've been watching recently around, you know, modern tourism and how we go to those places to do cool things like retreats in, in the forest and extrapolating very important rituals or elements of local rituals just for, you know, to try to make an experience to, and we completely misunderstand, misuse and uh, um, take out of a whole context things that belong to a history, to a culture, to a whole to a whole world without even questioning what we are doing. So we're still colonizing just in a different way. We, just, we are con still consuming all of this, but it's just in a different way. It's not geopolitics anymore. It's consumerism at this point. But yeah, sorry, I went a bit far. But I, yeah, I just wonder if the movie, does the movie want us to reflect on on, on the past and on the possibility that there were there were already people who think differently um, by then and also in how we approach our past and how we can still approach nowadays similar problems Does, I don't know if it makes sense <laughs> it, it yeah. makes sense and, and I think in, in many ways the the situation of indigenous people of, of the Amazonia has has not changed that much I mean in many ways, they're still very much oppressed, uh, but this time by nation states, and their um, their their sort of indigenous borders are not respected. They're completely overridden by uh, mining companies, uh, logging companies, uh, often drug cartels. So, in many ways, I feel like actually some things have not changed much, if not at all. Uh, in terms of reflection, I, I feel like the, the film is to a point, but I feel the film is so focused on one person and one person's kind of goal and um, discovery. I don't feel that the surroundings and the indigenous people are getting enough space in this film to really be reflected upon.
that's just my personal opinion. It's almost not intelligent enough to be that reflection that we need. Yeah, though I, I agree. I think um, there's a little bit of the sort of white savior trope in how Percy Fawcett is portrayed in this film of being like, oh, is this this white guy who went to the jungle and he he saw that indigenous people were actually equal to everyone else and he goes home and he champions it and and then people start to to cotton on to that and maybe as as we've seen from what his actual views were that's not quite the case and that comes back to that uh, sort of romanticizing the past um but i do like that he's not he's not a perfect protagonist they do he does have some flaws and although he might have been a little bit more forward thinking in some ways with sort of his opinion on indigenous people uh how he talks to his wife at certain points is completely different when she's like i want to come on the journey and he's like no women stay at home and they have the children it's a bit oh um so you know he's not he's not a perfect protagonist in in that uh, respect so I, i'm glad they didn't just make him this sort of angelic brilliant person but also i think it's it's still a bit too far. They should have been leaned a bit more into what Victor was saying about his actual beliefs rather than being a bit vague on that, uh, that front. Yeah, I think um, just talking about him not wanting to let his wife on missions with her, I think that they're contemporaries with another woman, Marianne North, and she was a wealthy, I believe Victorian British lady. And she, after the death of her father, she ended up traveling the world, like basically on her own. Um, and where, where she went, she also had quarters, um, of course, to, to help her carry her things. But otherwise, she was an otherwise unaccompanied British white woman. And she traveled all over the world. She went to um, like Borneo, Australia, and she was an artist. So she painted um, plants and landscapes and peoples in all these places that she went. So it's interesting how... You know, here's a essentially a contemporary man saying, no, you're a woman. You obviously can't go on these journeys. But actually, one of the contemporaries is a woman who's not only doing all of these things, but doing it on her own. In some ways, it's, it's his individual view. And perhaps in the broader society would have been slightly more open-minded. But yeah, I, I think good points about whether the film makes you reflect on our relationships. I think it, the film is an opportunity for people to revisit their views of indigenous peoples and indigenous cultures. I think there's that because there's, you know, there are, there are all these questions that I think we all left the film with of like, Oh, I wonder what is the deal with this lost city? Did he find it? Like what's going on? So it opens that door of reading more about, ancient civilizations in the Americas. So it can kind of lead people to changing their views in that way. But I think, Maggie, you're absolutely right that the film doesn't really encourage us as a modern audience to reflect on the way in which we relate to the Amazon and the peoples that are in there today. Because I think, Katya, you're absolutely right that the relationship that we have with these peoples is in a lot of ways very similar. It's extractive. And there's some argument to be made that, well, actually, but, you know, if you're going, if you're doing at least some kind of responsible tourism to these places, you're at least giving money to these local communities to help them survive. But then the question is, why do they need money in order to survive 
if you know their ancestors have survived and thrived in these habitats in these places for you know hundreds thousands of years why is it suddenly they're dependent on external resources coming in and there's something to be said about well that's the way in which the world has been structured around them now kind of requires it Mm. Uh, a very very topical so the the perception we have of other peoples as savages hasn't gone away it's still very much exists in our society and just to sort of mention an interesting recent case uh, the Pitt Rivers Museum in Oxford uh, partly anthropology uh, by uh, anthropology collection partly uh, natural history collection but they have made the decision of taking uh, not displaying the shrunken heads uh, from an Amazonian tribe anymore uh, and that was the decision was based on the comments that people made whilst watching what was seeing the shrunken heads uh, and the sort of rhetoric around that was very much uh, you know this is gory this is savage this is awful uh, they also done some very interesting research what it takes to change people's minds and it wasn't enough to put a, a different interpretation to explain a bit more that wasn't enough people still felt that it was sort of wrong gory savage uh, only uh, sort of one hour in-depth lecture and then seeing the object change their mind and that was not all people either it was about 70 percent that changed their mind um, in terms of how they how they saw the object uh, and again we're talking about things that no longer happened that that tribe happened to become christian quite early on but i think it's it's an interesting story to be told today because I think that perception of other people as savage is not something that's necessarily completely gone away. Yeah, I agree. I think even, even in this discussion, there's some element of, of trying to tackle issues of ranking civilizations, ranking cultures in terms of technological advancement. And you know, in the discussion that we've had, we're talking about agriculture and you know, their ability to manipulate the natural environment as markers of like an advanced, quote unquote, advanced civilization. And those are, even those are kind of problematic colonial Western views of the way in which we should categorize and organize the world. But take a step back and kind of think about it in a, in a slightly different way. You could also say that well, actually, if we're all humans, we've all been around on Earth for exactly the same amount of time. These cultures are just as old as our culture. You know, it has just as much history. Um, and so the, the word primitive has these connotations of being unsophisticated, unadvanced, I don't know, stuck in time in a really negative way that I don't, is, is inappropriate to, to apply. I think, particularly when you're talking about other peoples and other cultures. And so the way that Fawcett was talking about these people is saying that like, these aren't primitive savages. They had pottery. They had this. Um, they had um, agriculture. Even if they did not have, the, they didn't use those technologies that doesn't make them savage or primitive. They have just found different ways of living in their environment than the ways that we have found. It's problematic to then apply some kind of value judgment on that because, because it's a value judgment. It's not an objective 
truth. It's a personal value that we've applied onto someone else. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think this is also a problem linked to our whole education system. We, we learn in school that the he, history is about progression and progression starts from the primitive world and goes through agriculture revolution. <laughs> and then through on industrial revolution and our modern world consumerism is considered like the wealthiest uh, model of life we still classify developed countries as you know the, the most progressed and developing countries as, as the least progressed so it is embedded in our capitalistic system the way how the, this hierarchy of, of, of judging progression in a linear way I wonder I always wonder how much Eastern philosophies could help us in this because their idea of time is non-linear, it's circular, and there is much less this sense of, you know, hierarchy or progression from what from a worse position to a better. You you reminded me of the point that I was making about talking about primitive animals is that that we're talking about like what we would call the perhaps sometimes living fossils today. You know, these are animals that we find in the fossil record maybe millions and millions of years ago. And when we look at their modern relatives, we can see that physically it looks like they're fairly unchanged over the course of those millions of years. And so we call them primitive. But the connotations with that is, you know, when you think of, oh, what's a primitive animal? You kind of think of like, oh, it's going to be really slow moving and kind of ungainly and probably is really endangered because it's, you know, it's so primitive. How can it survive? That kind of thing. But that comes from this, this idea of oh, we're, we're progressing on to better and better and better things. But particularly when we're talking about animals, you know, the change is driven by changes in the environment, right? It's environmental pressures. And so if an animal, you know, physiologically, it has this, is well adapted to surviving in a particular habitat, and that habitat doesn't change, then there's no particular reason for it to physically change. You know, there's not a, a evolutionary pressure for it to do things in a different way, to get food in a different way, to hide in a different way. What it does works. It's just as effective now. So the, the word primitive, it carries with it all those negative connotations that don't and, apply in actuality. And then of course we have to kind of look hard at our uh, selves and the idea of advancement because what is advancement and <laughs> the kind of Western capitalist culture that we have imposed on everybody else on the globe, we have to really just stop and think, what has it, where has it got us? Are we happier? Uh, how is our environment looking? What's happening to our communities? Is advanced better? Is it always better? And, and I think if you look back at yourself, you, we all find that uh, the answer is probably not what you expected. Yeah, I think that that is a view that you can kind of see in Percy Fawcett in this film, where, you know, even though he comes back to the comforts of England and his, his you know, big comfortable home, he's got a comfortable social position, he still thinks about the Amazon and the peoples there and what he wants to accomplish there, right? So there's something about, even though journeys for him are so demanding and physical and challenging, when he comes back to the comforts of Europe, he, he still thinks back on that. So, you know, being with, within this so-called advanced kind of 
civilization with its comforts, and yet still he's he's yearning for something else for you know those those challenges of the Amazon. Like, what is it about his situation that makes him look to the Amazon in the way that he does? I think this has um, been quite a wide-ranging discussion. So thank you all very much for coming onto the show. So Tom, Katya, and Maggie, thank you, thank you all. Thank you for having me on, Victor. It's been been a lot of fun. Thank you. Thank you. See you soon. Thank you, Victor. And if you are interested in um, digging a bit deeper into any of these uh, things that we've talked about, um, you can check out the full show notes, which are always on our website, which is knowingnaturepodcast.wordpress.com. And if you've never checked out the show notes, you might be interested to know that often the notes are pretty detailed and they've got links to additional reading that is related to the things that we've talked about on the show. So if you do want to dig a bit deeper, do check out the notes that are on there. Um, you can also send us any questions or comments to our email address, which is knowingnaturepodcast at gmail.com. Uh, follow us on Twitter at KN underscore podcast. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.